what I've done in, in combination with meditation. So meditation, great. You're creating the space. You're creating that space between thought and action, right? So you're able to like, con you're able to contemplate in there. You're able to, to, to stew on things. Now, I'm not saying you have like three hours in between that to stew on things, but what, what was once five seconds could now be 15 seconds. And you have that, you have clarity. You just have that space in there where you just are able to notice the thought. So that's in meditation. If you take it to the real world, when you're acting everything that you do during the day, this is something I did is I just made the decision that I'm going to act. I'm just going to act on whatever comes up. No more hesitation, no more delay. Whatever comes up, I'm going to act on it. Now, with doing that, you must be okay with the results, whatever they are. Yeah, you have to detach. You can't have expectations because... Again, that will be the, that will be the interference of the rational mind being like, and, and also the ego of like making this deal, like, okay, I'll do this, but I want this in return or like an expectation that something great's going to happen because sometimes inspiration and you act on it, it can bring you to your knees, but it'll always bring you exactly where you need to go. Welcome to episode 150 of the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. This is the place where every week we chat with people who are looking, finding, and living their purpose. And today we are chatting with me <laughs> and Beach. This is our March Ask the YTs. And as always, we have quality listener questions to dive into. But first, I want to let all of our Patreon supporters know that there are two new videos up in our community. One is of me talking about flow and what happens when you're not in flow, uh, specifically when you're trying to push an agenda uh, into the universe. And the other is me sharing a slow the freak down yoga flow, which I really enjoyed. So I'd love to get your feedback on it as well. Thank you guys for supporting the show. If you want access to over 100 patron exclusives, then go over to patreon.com forward slash yogi triathlete and make your pledge of any amount to get access to all of these goodies. So, uh, what's up, babe? Big, big, Training weekend for both of us. Big, big, big training weekend? Big, big, big. <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, actually, I didn't have a big training weekend this weekend. I didn't really do anything yesterday. Well, it's been accumulation. Yoga. Let's yeah. just say. But today it was on. Today it was on. Today it was yep. on, on early, too. We were up early. Yep. 4.30. Got a little meditation in and then headed out to hit the trails for 6 a.m. And today was a little bit different than what you've been doing, right? Because we've been trying to get you some vertical, some vert. Yeah, I've been going for, for the vert and the dirt. And uh, today I got dirt and not a lot of vert, which was really nice to just, it's so crazy. It, it's not crazy because we've removed that from our vocabulary, but it is new to me to go out and do 20 and have it feel like a cruise. I, I've, I can honestly say I've never gone out for 20 miles and have it felt like a cruise. And even like, I don't think I've ever gone out for 10 and felt like it was a cruise, but today felt really good and I rested. So I did a longer run on Thursday and that was like about 4,000 feet of vert and dirt and uh, um, about three and a half hours. And then today went back out for four and got 20 miles in and uh, yeah, it felt really good, but I rested Friday deep, rested deep on Friday. I really needed 
I felt, I just felt like I was having this deep level of fatigue that was rising up and that I wanted to listen to that because I know that listening to that helps me gain fitness. Have you always listened to that or did you, did you have thoughts that, well, I'm taking a rest day. I know other people are out there running today, even though they're tired. Uh, I mean, that's no, I don't really have that right now at all. I mean, if I have any kind of like, oh, you should be doing something, it never has anything to do with anybody else. It's never like, oh, other people are out training and I need to, it has, it's never in comparison to anybody else, which is, I've never actually looked at that until you just said it. And um, I can honestly say it's just, it's not in comparison to others. And I'm sure that, you know, back in the day that things like that would have, would have, you know, maybe oh my God. Ca- caused yeah. a little bit more drama. You were looking, you were, you were result stalking early oh, yeah. on in your oh, triathlon yeah. you know career. What? I was <laughs> result stalking actually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember results stalking in Newport and then you get that feeling of like, cause then I would look at like the year before and I'd be like, Oh my God, what if that lady comes back? And it's such a waste of time. Such a waste of time. It's such a waste of time. But in energy to get back to, to today. Yeah. I feel really good. I feel really good. It's a good place to be. We're three weeks out from your first 50 miler. Yep. Three weeks out from Lake Sonoma. Four weeks out from your and four weeks. third, third running of the Mendocino 50 K. Yeah, and if you're going up to uh, Mendocino, Beach and I will be uh, four o'clock on Friday before the Friday before Mendocino at the Stanford Inn. Beach and I are going to be given a free chat. I'm going to lead a guided visualization specific to that course, and we'll be sharing our breathing techniques, which are really great to do prior to a race, as well as answering any questions about mindfulness and how to be your best self out there. And we're going to have four athletes out there. Yeah, I know. Running the race. I know. And there's Four a big contingency of, of girls coming up from San Diego that I train with through Woot. So really It's starting cool. to be that race. It's kind of like our race. Like we know a lot of the people there after going up year after year. And it's not just the people racing. It's in the community, mm-hmm. right? The Stanford Inn. All Jim and... Um... <laughs> his name's not Jim. <laughs> oh. What is his name? <laughs> Jim. Jeff. Jeff and Joan. Jeff and Joan. <laughs> See, we're so close. We don't even have to We're we so have to close know their names. with those guys. We don't even we don't even <laughs> go by names anymore. But it's such a great community up there that that's that we're a part of now because yeah. we took that step or you took that step for that first fifty K. I blame that on Gene Bauer and our and our podcast with Gene Bauer because that's when he mentioned the Mendocino and that's right it was that moment Farm I Sanctuary. was like oh my gosh yeah. I'm doing that too which is usually how I choose my races is they just kind of come to me in those moments and which is in intuition we actually have a question on intuition but we said we wanted to talk about my training so let's yeah, talk keep about going. my training no you go like how do you think my training's gone I think you're, you're lining up Great for this. Race. No, you go. What? Um, <laughs> it's your training. I can give you my perspective. My yeah, perspective what? That's is what I want as your as a coach. I want your perspective. Yeah, my perspective is you've done what you needed to do to get to your first fifty miler, knowing that you still have a fifty k afterwards, knowing that you're in uncharted waters, knowing that you've never run this much. Let's just use it as volume um, consistently. And you're doing it and noticing that you need to take those breaks. You need to take those time, the down days to just regroup a little bit. And it helps that 
you're here with me. So when you have uh, sensation build up, we can easily shift gears, easily shift so that maybe you take two days off and then you're able to run long that next day because you're coming off of a little bit of rest. So talk about how you get fitness from rest. So you stress the body. You stress the body. You're putting it into a, a, a point where things start to change. Like your, your breathing becomes heavy. You're, you're stressing your lungs. You're stressing your legs. You're, you're going to a point where uh, above and beyond what you possibly think the body can handle. And when you're done with that, when you're done stressing the body and you're at a, a, a level of rest, the body's able to adapt. It's able to soak in all that fitness. Through rest. Through rest. So it's the, we, we learned this from Neil Henderson. And uh, I feel like Lucho too. Lucho and Lucho talks. too. You stress the system, you rest the system, and then you adapt. And then the system adapts. And physio physiologically, you know, when we go out there and we train, we're, we're literally tearing the muscles. We're making micro tears in the muscles as we train. We, we break them down. And then through that rest, they, we actually, as they repair themselves, we actually build muscle and they get stronger. So, so continually breaking down your muscles. So if people are like, I need to train, need to train, need to train every day, yeah, every then day. They have no chance to, there's they, no adaptation adaptation. Yeah. The adaptation is everything. You're it's always huge. stressing the body. And that, and also that taper isn't two weeks. No, it's longer. Yeah. Speak to that. Like, so I feel like my, with four weeks to go, with four weeks to go, yeah, four weeks to go, I did um, like a 30, little over 30 mile run. And then you were like, okay, like that's, that's your biggest, that's your biggest run. That's your biggest mileage. And that's, uh, that's a month out. Actually might even have been a month and a few days out. And so what has it, what's it going to look like? So we've gone another week now and like, what's it going to look like moving into these next three weeks leading up to the race? Like that I've been, t I, w I will be tapering for a month, but that doesn't mean that you don't work out anymore. No, you're just, you're just doing workouts that are very specific to what you'll experience on race day. So you cut out, you trim the fat you, in, in, in the way that I understand it and the way that I've had success with myself and our athletes is to get rid of that extra stuff and really focus on short, intense sessions. Volume goes down. And I want to say it's, it's different for everyone and it's different for every experience. Well, and that's why it's, I think that if you can do one-on-one -on -one coaching, it's, and I think you're, I think our, our prices for one-on-one -on -one coaching are ridiculously inexpensive. I really do. Uh, especially running, you know, it's like what, $125 a month, but um, to have that one-on-one -on -one is because we're not templates and I'm not a template. Like I'm different. I'm different this training than I was leading up to that 40 mile race I did in November. All four of you are different. All four of us. So are if I put out, Mendocino. If I, I put out a Mendocino 50 K training plan, then someone is going to excel. Someone is going to probably get injured. Someone will become extremely fatigued. Someone will, you know, lose the focus and drive to want to perform. It's, it's not a, people aren't templates. So a templated plan 
in my opinion, this is just my opinion, a templated plan doesn't fit the human person. Now, with that said, if you have, I was talking about this today on, on the ride, if you're able to, to filter yourself, if you can do a self audit on yourself and you have that awareness and that acute sense of body awareness and mindset and, and noticing the thoughts, you can take a templated plan and adjust it and modify it to where you are at that point. So I want to, I want to make sure that's, that's, uh, that comes through because it, it, that is a possibility, but how many people do I know that have that filtering system and the ability to, to navigate the waters themselves? I don't think there's many people that can do that. Mm. So that's why they need a coach. Yeah. I, and I've used both. I've, I've always had a, I've always had a coach and then, um, and I, and before that I did some templated plans, but always most success with, with having that one-on-one with one, having that one-on-one experience, yeah, so the template, but like, go. go ahead. There you go. Well, I was going to say like Liz and I, so Liz, one of our athletes running on Venti, she's an awesome runner, awesome coach, running coach. And she, um, she's doing Lake Sonoma and she's also doing Mendocino with me, but our training has been totally different. Yeah. And for many reasons, she's on the East coast. So they've had lots of snow. She doesn't have access to the, the trail system that we have. She also had a 50 K last weekend. You don't have a race prior to Sonoma. Uh, she's been traveling a lot. You have not been traveling a lot. You've been able to get consistently out on the trails. Your lifestyles are slightly different and your goals are slightly different. You know, you've done more race, more long distance ultra races than she has, but she's also run. But I feel like she can handle intensity better than I can or, or has handled what? So what is that based on? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Just based on me watching her Instagram stories and feel like she's running. There fast. you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I just said that I don't compare myself to people. Well, we, because you don't you don't look at we, Liz we, as a competitor. You look at Liz as she's my ally. Right, she's my girl. Yeah, right. But and not that you see other people out there on Instagram or no, whatever just, social media platform as competitors. But you're just you constantly compare them, themselves. And when you see Liz, you're like, oh, well, it's just Liz. Like we know Liz. Like we know. Like she's one of us. But it's so funny because I have this idea that she right. does more intense. Or she runs faster or whatever. But it's I, I really want to make a point of this. As much as I want to cut this part out of the podcast, I'm going to keep it in because I want to show people like how we can have these blocks up. I just sat here and said like, oh no, I don't compare myself to other people. But then I was like, oh, Liz can handle more intensity than right. I can. And that's comparing <laughs> so myself. That's, and, that goes, and it doesn't mean that I don't, like, it doesn't mean like it was a negative thing, but it's still comparison. It's, I feel really confident where my training is and really comfortable where I am, but we can still compare even if it doesn't feel super negative. Right. Like, yeah. So this goes so back funny. to this, the self-regulation of a self-coached athlete in a template right. plan. Do right. you have that ability to self-regulate? People would be out there saying, Jessica, oh my God. Yeah, totally. She's totally got it because she's, you know, she meditates. She's got that inner, inner, in the, I do got it. Right. But you just said, you look at Instagram <laughs> and you're looking at stories. So now that's fine. You can look at them. And if you're adjusting the way that you do your runs and workouts based on what you're seeing with Liz, no. that's, that's another issue. And I think that's what I'm talking about with that self-regulation. You can look at Liz and see what she's training. You can be like, oh, well, Liz runs fast. Well, yeah, I would like to do speed workouts like Liz. 
and then you leave it at that. Then you'd go and do your sessions. Well, so my underlying thing is like, I want Liz to have great success. You know True. what I mean? Like I, yeah. I want her to have great success. I don't look at her as like a competitor. Yeah. I look at her as right. my ally out there, my trail sister. I love it. We're just calling but each other so, out. <laughs> so anyway, Liz, you're crushing it. Okay. What about no, nutrition? Just, Let's talk about nutrition because oh, you've been experimenting. I think. Yeah, I've been. As you go longer. Putting so this is, more calories in my body per hour and really training the gut and and not backing off when the gut feels really full because you got to train the gut just like you're training the muscles. And like today, for example, this isn't nutrition, but today, for example, you had me in the last hour if I felt good to like up the effort. And so in that last last mile, did I say? Last hour. So in the last hour, I upped the effort and there were so many times I wanted to stop and there were so many times like... I just wanted to slow it down, but I kept going. And it's the same thing with training your gut for nutrition. Like it would have been, it, there were times where it would have felt more comfortable if I wasn't trying to train it to take on more calories, but I just kept putting in more calories because training is the time to figure that out. And I've been able to keep everything down. I feel like I've been able to absorb everything and I've started to use Goo Roctane in my bottles, which is 250 calories a bottle. So I've got 500 calories between my two soft bottles and then two liters of water. And I've been drinking a ton and uh, eating. So over 200 calories an hour minimum is, is what I've been taking in. And I've been experimenting with lots of different things. And the, the thing is, I have a I have a pitta constitution, which is, you know, Ayurvedic medicine and, and pitta is, they, we have like pretty strong digestive tracts. I don't really have an issue, but that doesn't mean that I haven't felt like I was going to throw up on the race course before. So I feel confident like throwing some stuff in there and seeing what it's like. And I'm okay with feeling a little uncomfortable, but today, and I got this from Liz and not from her Instagram story, but actually from her in person is um, mashed potatoes. So we took mashed potatoes and mixed them up with olive oil and some nutritional yeast and salt and then wrapped them up in a flour tortilla. They were so good. But you've used potatoes before. Yeah, so I've been not, using potatoes a for a couple years. Food. It's It's how it's prepared. Because yeah, what but, you would do is roast the potatoes and you'd pack up and bring those little fingling right. potatoes. Right, those must amazing. have been like between the potatoes and the tortillas themselves were over 100 calories each and I had two of those. So that was probably like 600 calories right there between the two burritos. And I think that that's probably pretty conservative. And then I had another 500 calories of the goo roctane, and that was over four hours. Oh, and I had a gel. So we're talking over a thousand calories for four hours. That seems, and, and not like math pace for the first three hours. And then the last hour was more tempo effort. And I was able to push an effort and not feel sick or anything like that. So I was doing really well. So yeah, I've been training my gut to take in more because as I continue to go longer, I'm going to need more fuel for the body because even though I'm not the body, right? Even though I'm not the mind and I'm not the thoughts, the body, I still need to fuel it, right? Like I haven't hit that phase yet of, you know, high level yogi status where I don't have to feed the body anymore. I still have to feed the body where I'm at at this point. And so, yeah, I feel like it's been benefiting me really well. And then recovery, 
Because I don't really have a hard time resting. I really don't. I love to rest. You know I love to rest. But what did you do right after the run today? I've been going right to the pool and swimming for 45 minutes to an hour after these long runs. And that's been really consistent. And, and even if I've just gotten in one swim a week, it's been after that long run. But last week, I think I got two or three sw- swims in. So, so as, com- yeah, so that's to talk to your training again. As you near race day, there'll be more yoga, more swimming, because you're still keeping the body active but you're not stressing it as much and these are the these are the complementary exercises that keep you out there all the time and i also want to say your swim is not swim so if people are thinking you go out there and you do like 10 by 100s on a set interval and then you you crush you know big long volume it's it's basically kicking with fins and a little bit of pulling some vertical kicking and a little bit of swimming on your back breaststroke yeah it's like getting the it's full recovery it's full recovery on, swim full on recovery yeah and then my yoga I went to class this week I can tell my mileage is coming down because I went to a class this week like I haven't been to a class I think in a couple months but what I've been doing is like five minutes of yoga 12 minutes of yoga 40 minutes of yoga, seven minutes of yoga, like whatever I can get in, I'm getting something in. So it's better to get something in than nothing in. And then, um, of course, meditation for me is a non-negotiable. And, and that's been, that's just such an amazing training tool, huge training tool. So I feel really good. I feel like I'm exactly where I need to be. And there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to be great on race day. I'm going to be great. You are great. Yeah, I mean... Let's also talk... I want to talk about your shoes, too, because you were on the path for <laughs> shoes, and people love to hear about shoes. This is good, because you're, you're exploring. You're not you're not committed to one shoe. You're always like, well, this is great, but... Although I do love Ultra. Right, but it, within the Ultra... But you've also looked at Hoka. You haven't run in them, but you're exploring Yeah, I think options. I might get some Hoka and just get them in wide, because the thing I love about Ultra is the big toe box, and so I think I might get some Hoka and, Hokas and get them wide for the road because the ultras that I have for the road, they're pretty sloppy. They're the duos. They're, they're, they're really nice, big cushion, but they're not that great up top. They're super lightweight, but they're just kind of flimsy and messy. And I'm not sure they've been benefiting my feet that much. So why'd you go to the duos? Because I needed more cush. So I was running in the intuitions, which were super minimal. And then on the trail, I was running in the superiors, which are super minimal but I love the superiors. I love the fit. I love the way they, I just love the way they cut my ankle. Like I just love those shoes. And so it was coming to me intuitively that I needed some more cushion in my shoes. So I got on Ginger Runner and I was watching some reviews and of course asking some of the girls that I run with. Some of the girls were in Lone Peak, some were in Olympus. And I also had heard about the temp and the temp is between the Lone Peak's and the Olympus. So it's like, a, it's a little more cush. And Ginger Runner said, it was like all I needed to hear. He was like, if you love the superiors, you're going to love the temps. Which you do. And I love the superiors. And so, but I'm not afraid to get another pair of shoes. Like I'm not attached to them. I knew I needed some more cushion. So I got the temps and put them on and did a, um, a six a six hour run in them <laughs> like the first time I wore them. And I had brought my other shoes and thought, well, I'll just go for a couple hours and go back to the car. And I'm like, I'm not changing these shoes. Like these are awesome. They felt exactly like my superiors, but with more cush. 
So I went out and the first run I did was six hours and I had no repercussions. And then the next one I did was six and a half hours and then like almost seven hours. And I've been running in them and I feel like they're totally broken in and they feel great. I love them. I love them. So yeah, I'm running in those now. The ultra temps. And what are you using for the road? Oh, duos for the and road. And then the duos for the road, which are, do are great for the amount of miles I'm doing on the road. I mean, I'm doing what? Like maybe 10 miles a week on the road. Yeah, but that also was different when the when we had all this rain down here. Oh, and that reminds me, with your nutrition, it's getting warmer now and sunnier now. So what are you doing differently? Oh, in salt too. That's the one thing I forgot to say. I'm always taking salt uh, just to get into the practice of it. Even on days I don't feel like I need it, I take it because I and we we're using the base salt, and we've actually even used it when we've run out of salt in the house. We've put it on our dinner before. We've used base salt. We have used base salt <laughs> on our dinner and our pizza. Absolutely. It's not just for racing people. It's also for bootables. All right. I think that's good. And if anybody has any more questions about the training. Um, oh, I will say, I, I want to say this. The volume I've been able to put on my body this time around has been far more than I've ever done in the past. So leading up into these other ultras, I've had like one week of like 50 miles or more. And this time I've had three solid weeks of 50 miles or more, but even like this week is more than 50 miles as I was doing more like purposeful walking and things like that. We, the way we kind of crafted the training was such a treat to at the end of the week look and be like oh my god I got 64 miles in and I had no idea what I was going to get in until I like uploaded everything into training peaks and I was like whoa I just did 64 miles that was amazing and what a treat like I didn't have an expectation that I was going to do over 60 but the great thing about this are you going to get to this like I don't know <laughs> you're talking about 64 miles and like this is awesome like what is possible for me maybe 70 next week or maybe I do another 60 mile next week when in reality, what happened was basically you needed to take a rest from that 60 mile week. So you had two to three days where you took it down. Yeah. But then I was still able to get over were, 50 in right. that, that week. But right. yeah, I took like... But, you, but that's where you, people get caught up. You get caught up in like, oh my God, I hit 60. Okay. So next week, next I, I got to do 70. Next week, I'm going 70 and then I'm going to go 80. And then, and yeah. And if you start to push and force that issue... I did need to rest your body, after that 60. It was a 64 mile week yeah. and I needed like three days of pretty good rest. So... All right. Whoa, dude, we've been going a half an hour. We got to jump right. into questions. Enough about this. Okay. Mary, as you know, I've been meditating for a year and it's helped so much to introduce calm into my life. And I feel like I'm more mindful in most areas of my life. I feel like I'm not always great at trusting my intuition, even when it's a really strong hit. I think it's a product of repeated behaviors in my past, squelching my inner voice and choosing the safe option. How can I hone the skill of listening to that inner voice and trusting it immediately, even if it feels scary? Anything specific in meditation? Thanks as always. So the first thing I want to say about inspiration and intuition you know we get these hits and we know there's like this part of us that's like oh I want to act on that you know those inspirations that we get they have no bearing on our history right they don't care who we are they don't care what's on the to-do list for the day they don't care what you normally do. It's like this inspiration that comes from your higher self. And so a lot of times it can feel inconvenient. 
a lot of times it can feel like this doesn't make any sense. And I, and I think, and a huge, a huge example of that is BJ and I selling our house, getting rid of everything we owned and getting in the car and driving away and not knowing where we were going to live. Like that all came in a momentary inspiration and we acted on it. That made no sense. That made no sense to the rational mind whatsoever, but we just kept the rational mind where it needed to be and redirected it to what it could feel comfortable with. And then we kept going with the inspiration. So that's kind of the first thing I want to say is that, you know, a lot of us get these hits and we don't act on them. A lot of us get these hits and we don't trust them and understand that these hits are coming from a place that doesn't care if you're scared and it doesn't care what you've done in the past and it doesn't care, you know, what you've got going on in a day. It just knows that you are ready to take this next step. You're ready for this hit and then it's your choice if you're going to act on it or not. So when you say, you know, even when it's a really strong hit and you're not, and you're not acting on it or you're not trusting it, you have to understand like you have to use your will. It's the same will, Mary, that gets you to the finish line. Like it's the same will that keeps you pushing when you want to slow down and back off. It's the same will that gets you on the bike if you're feeling fearful. You have to use the will to act on it. You have to use the will to override the rational mind that says, I don't have time for this right now, or I don't trust this right now. You have to use the will, which is interesting because the will is a faculty of the mind. So you have to use a faculty of the mind to override itself to be able to act on these inspirations, which are in fact, you know, divine. So what do you have to say about intuition? And I've got some practical things that she can do. This is the very essence of what I've been doing is just acting, acting on everything. And she wants to know how how you can begin to change that. Well, what I've done in in combination with meditation, so meditation, great. You're creating the space. You're creating that space between thought and action, right? So you're able to like Con- you're able to contemplate in there. You're able to, to, to stew on things. Now, I'm not saying you have like three hours in between that to stew on things, but what, what was once five seconds could now be 15 seconds. And you have that, you have clarity. You just have that space in there where you just are able to notice the thought. So that's in meditation. If you take it to the real world, when you're acting everything that you do during the day, this is something I did is I just made the decision that I'm going to act. I'm just going to act on whatever comes up. No more hesitation, no more delay, whatever comes up, I'm going to act on it. Now with doing that, you must be okay with the results, whatever they are. Yeah. You have to detach. You can't have expectations because again, that will be the, that will be the interference of the rational mind. Being like, and and also the ego of like making this deal, like, okay, I'll do this, but I want this in return or like an expectation that something great's going to happen because sometimes inspiration and you act on it, it can bring you to your knees, but it'll always bring you exactly where you need to go. So that's, yeah, that's the point. Like you you have faith in that, whatever that end result is, is exactly what you need. Don't get caught up in well, I'm going to act on everything and everything now that I'm acting on it quickly, it's all going to work out for me. 
<laughs> right. right. And it will. No, it will work out. Well, it will work out for you. It but might, in the moment, you may not know. You might get your ass kicked right. in the interim. That's what happened today. You asked me outside after the long bike ride. You know, it's crunch for time. You're like, well, what's more important? What's more important? And my gut was telling me to get to the pool. Cut the run short. Get to the pool. Now I can deliberate all about it what would have happened if I kept running and did another loop and then skipped a swim today? Like I can stew on that. But instead I just act like from the heart, that's what I felt like. Now there's no wrong or right. And I love when you say that, like there's no wrong or right. It, I just had an experience today. I rode long, I hopped off the bike. I only did 20 minutes, but then I was able to get to the pool and put in a good recovery set. Now I can sitting here talking to you in this podcast and I feel amazing. So. I can look back at, at it and say, well, if I had done another lap on the run, I would have taxed my legs a little bit more and probably wouldn't have recovered as well because I didn't get that swim in there. But that only comes from ex experiencing it. It only comes from putting myself in these situations where I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But act anyway. But act anyway. Act despite of what your mind yeah. is holding you back from. So it's courage. Forward. You know, it's courage. It's it's being fearful, experiencing fear, and acting anyway. That's courage. And that's and that's really what it requires. But I think the meditation, just not to hammer the meditation point home, but it just it always hammer the meditation. Meditation point home. is building that confidence to trust yourself. It's giving you that space to feel these emotions come up. It's to see these thoughts appear. Notice them. Now you're onto it. Once you're onto it, then you have that space to choose. So the more that you're able to be confident in knowing that these are the thoughts that are going to come up because you're sitting there quietly in stillness and you're able to, to just sit and stew on the stuff that could be like real like deep and real like scarring, like stuff that like is pulling you down. When you can sit there and, and be okay with all of that, when you get to training and you want to act on things, it's going to be, in my experience, it's going to be instantaneous. Act. Don't worry about what the uh, end result is going to be. And when we sit in meditation, we're communing with the source of those inspirations and that intuitive voice. We're communing with the intuition, which is a part of our higher self. So as we meditate and we commune with that part of us, that divine part of us that is what is sending us these, these, um, these inspirations, we become more attuned to that energy. And so spiritual energy, divine energy, higher self energy, God energy, whatever you want to call it or not call it is really subtle. It's very, very subtle energy. And the world that we live in, the physical world is very, very dense. So you need to attune yourself to the subtle energies of intuition, of divine guidance, of, you know, your guides that are here steering you, your higher self that knows all, knows every, the whole reason why you're here. All of those energies are very subtle, so you get more attuned to them through the act of meditation, which Mary has been meditating for quite some time now. So you'll get more skillful at being aware of it. It's not that the intuitive voice becomes louder. 
you just become more attuned to it. You are now attuned to not only the density of the physical world, but you're attuned to the subtlety of the non-physical world. So some practical things, um, you know, remember every choice, every choice has a consequence. So example, two Wednesdays ago, we had our run group and we were doing hill repeats by the beach house and we took our jackets off because we were getting warm and I ran into the bathroom and I came back out and you guys were running down the beach to the stairs. And so I started running towards you and I said, oh, wait, our jackets. And you said, oh, we'll be back. And I had this hit, go get the jackets. And I didn't act on it. So the consequence was when we came back, the jackets were gone. They were all gone. And they ended up being recovered because you had a hit that the person that was doing the trash and everything at the beach probably saw them, threw them into the trash as she was, you know, changing the trash and you went down and you got the jackets back. But that was the consequence is that the jackets weren't there. Now, if you didn't act on the inspiration to go run down to the other bathroom to see if they were there, then the jackets really would have been gone. And sometimes the consequence is that you get to move to California and you get to live in this amazing place, you know? But don't forget, you guys, and Mary knows this very well, that we got our butts kicked for 2016, 17, and part of 2018. And we're just starting to change the bandages, you know, on those bruises. So... But I wouldn't have it any other way. So remember that every time you don't act on that intuition, there's a consequence. So start paying attention to what that is. And maybe that's just the slow death of continually choosing the safe option. Being safe is such a, it's such a, a fallacy. It's such a, a false belief um, because the real safety is going to come from listening to that intuition. Uh, and then, okay, so a two things I want to I want to give her. Number one, a lot of not trusting comes from the root chakra the first chakra. So I would recommend a grounding exercise where you're getting outside and she's an athlete, so she's outside a lot, but getting outside, getting your shoes off, it has nothing to do with athletics and you stand in the grass or the dirt and you close your eyes and you connect with mother earth. So when we connect with mother earth, we connect with her intuitive wisdom and look at mother earth. Like she trusts everything. She accomplishes everything. She never stays safe. She never rushes anything and she accomplishes everything. So ground, a grounding is so important, um, for getting more secure through that root chakra and that root chakra is all about trust trusting the plan trusting the intuition all of that and then the other thing is at the end of meditation when the timer goes off open your eyes but don't move stay still and look around and so what this does is you're looking around at your physical surroundings. You're looking around at the physical world, 
but you're in, you're still in a meditative state. So what this does is it starts to bring more robustness to your meditative self as you move through the physical world. And this is a very, very potent exercise in building your intuition and the strength of the intuition. So you might through that get even more intuitive hits, or they might be, as you say, really strong, but it's still you that needs to act on it. So you have to use your will to act on that. So I hope that's helpful. So the grounding and the intuition exercise are the two things that I would start putting into effect immediately. And act. You have to act. I can't, nobody can make you act. BJ can't make you act. I can't make you act. You have to act. Have the experience. There's no substitute for the experience. And I remember when you were like, okay, I'm just going to start acting. And you were picking, remember you were picking up all the <laughs> yoga classes and you were like scared to death. Speak to that a little bit. Oh yeah. This was coming off my teacher training and I wasn't in a yoga teacher. I wasn't in a, a teaching a class at all. I was just trying to find a place to sub and when I finally just had that hit to just say yes, you know, when these opportunities came up to sub, I would, I finally got on the sub list. I would say yes. I was like the first person in the email to be like, yes, I'll take it. And then I'm like, I don't know how to teach prana surf yoga. Like, <laughs> what is that? Like, I don't know how to surf. I've surfed maybe once. And that was just the opening of it. And Yes, I had moments where I was like, I, I must, I must memorize the routine. I must go to the class before to see what it's like. I must have the good playlist. I must, all these things that I must do. And when I found myself doing that, I just came back to what I really learned in yoga teacher training, which is to be yourself. Like when you just speak from your heart and you're just your natural self, all those, that nervousness and expectations really just falls away and it all started though when I started saying yes like yes to these classes and showing up even there were classes I had subbed and did numerous times and then I would pick it up again and you'd be like what are you nervous about like oh, I gotta teach this class and you'd say you've taught this class before so it's relentless right the, the doubt and the fear continually rises up and that's where meditation comes in because you have that space you're like oh is that really true? No, I've taught this class many times. The point of this class is just to teach students yoga, which I know how to do. And if I'm just myself, then the experience is going to be another experience that I can refer to in the future. And you're always yourself when you're present. Always. So you, it's really trusting the present moment and trusting those intuitive hits and act on them. It's really fun. Oh, I have one more thing that you can do. My teacher had me do this. So when you're out there training, and so let's say, um, whatever it is, swimming, whatever. So let's say you have an interval. So what you do is you don't look at the watch at all, and you and you get really present, right? So you know how to do this, Mary. You like get into the breath, get really present and allow the time for that interval to come to you. And you say, okay, that was minute seven. And then look at your watch. And it might be like a minute eight. And you're like, oh, a minute eight, right? But watch the panic that comes with it. Cause like the first hit, you'd be like, oh no, that's not the right one. And then you pick another one. And then the first hit was usually the right one. 
or if you're running and let's say you have a mile to do like an interval run and don't look at the watch and really feel into it and be like, okay, it's a mile right now. And it might be like 0.99 or it might be like 1.10 and you'll notice, right? So you'll notice like, yeah, I was going to say it earlier and then I didn't say it earlier and then I looked and now it's 1.10. So you can do it with your training as well, which is, is really fun. Um, and those are safe places to act. So you don't have to do these huge life changing, um, choices and actions. You can start really small. So that was a good one. That was one I used to do too. I still do it. Okay. Moving on. Jody. this is our second and final question for today. I'm putting in the work and eating a fairly clean diet. I'm making strides and see improvement, but how do I get to the next level? Is this mental training, physical training, a combo of both? I see people running amazingly fast trail times and I wonder if they have a true gift, are lucky, or they're doing something I am not. I still struggle to hike up steep hills. Is it my fitness, asthma? I don't want to blame medical stuff. I hate that. Lack of sleep, stress that I let seep in. I'm super happy with my progress, but I want more. How can I get there? Okay. Um, yes. Uh, yes. 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 It's a combo. <laughs> no, they're not lucky. Yes. It's lack of sleep. Yes. It's stress. It's yeah. It's, it's not the great thing is, one is she, thing. She wants more. Yeah. That's, right? So that's awesome. That's motivation. That's fire. Capture that and capitalize on it. Yeah. So, so <laughs> <laughs> you're like, whoa. Uh, yeah. So, oh man, this is so deep in, in, the, in the realm of training and, and athletics because we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. We're looking outside. We're looking at other people's times. We're looking at Liz's Instagram stories. See, it comes back to that again. <laughs> Why are we so consumed with what others are doing? Because it's not the ego. Con- it's the ego keeps us in comparison. It keeps us separate. It wants me to think that Jody and I are, are different. Are separate, that Mary and I are separate, that Liz and I are separate, that you and I are separate. When in fact it's all it's all the oneness. All of it. All those things that look separate are all a part of the big one. And it's the ego that's, that's saying right now, but you don't understand. They run so fast right. and I don't. Right. right. This is the internal dialogue that happens. So first thing is stop looking outside. Mm-hmm. Stop looking outside for the answer. Stop looking at other people. The, the good thing though, let me just say this, the good thing about you seeing fast in other people is that you have fast inside you. So if you can recognize something in someone else, it is deeply rooted inside of you. So, so you've already got it. So you've already got it. We're just going to help you bring it out. Right. So, so stop looking for that, that magic pill. So if, you know, Susie is a seven minute miler and she drinks this and she does track workouts and she recovers with the, uh, Norma Tech recovery boots, and that is why she's running seven minute miles. Is that all the steps that you're going to take to try and mimic what she's doing? So, do you want to be, I love this, do you want to be the second best version of somebody else or the best version of you? She wants to be the best version I'm of her. I'm pretty sure Jody wants that. to be the best version of herself. Absolutely. So, the fact that you want more and you want that speed, right? Like, that's awesome, okay? 
But in order, one of the things that you can do, so this is a mental piece. One of the things you can do is in order to bring that speed into physical reality, okay, you must assume the identity of that person, right? Even though we're saying don't compare, this is totally different. You must assume the identity of a runner that runs those paces before it can come into physical evidence, okay? So how do you do that? You do it by... How does that person feel when they're running seven minute miles or six minute miles or eight minute miles or 10 minute miles, whatever it is that you're looking at for a a pace? How does it feel? They feel relaxed. Okay. Now I feel relaxed. They feel confident. They feel fast feet. They feel strong quads. I feel, uh, um, you know, a, a strong, um, like knee drive, they're strong running. They're like gazelles. They're light running uphill. How do they feel when they finish They're And again, you're, you, you're assuming the identity of how one the, would feel the future Jody, right. but you must assume it now, because if you don't assume that identity now and start practicing the way that that feels. So this is really manifestation is what I'm talking about. If you, continue to see that you're not there now, you will never get there because you will always be in the lack of it. Okay. Until you start to practice the feelings and bring into manifestation, the feelings of what it, what it's like to be really strong on the climbs you're always going to be in the lack of it. But if you bring it in mentally and you create the neural pathways in your brain and you create the belief systems, it's a scientific equation. The physical has to follow. It's a scientific fact. And that's the amazing piece about how powerful we are. We're always creating. It's just that people don't, people were never taught how to create on purpose. So, um, a lot of times they want more money, but they look at their bank account and they say, well, I don't have a lot of money and they'll never have a lot of money because they're always going to be in that identity of not having enough money. You have to assume the identity and the feeling of the person who is abundant. So you must assume and practice feeling all of these things that you think you're going to get when you get faster. So I would write that down. What, what is it going to feel like? Like what kind of running clothes do you wear? What kind of, um, what, what color are the shoes that you're wearing? What trails are you on? Like visualize this and feel it and, and start to assume that identity and you'll create the neural pathways. So that's kind of the mental piece of it. And then of course you continue to do the work and it's patience. So we were saying about how that my mileage is higher than it's ever been. Well, two years ago when I first ran the Mendocino 50K, my longest run was 14 miles for my first 50K because that was what my body could handle. Uh, Leading up to this 50 miler, I've got, you know, a handful of 20 miles, 26 miles, 30 miles because I've been patient and I've just, just like you, I have been doing the work. And so a little bit every day over a long period of time is the recipe. And that patience is always going to come in presence because in presence, there's just, there's nowhere else to be. There's no, so while you're present, practice how it feels to be whatever it is that you want to become. 
as a runner, um, as a person, whatever it is, practice it so that the physical can catch up. While continuing to do the physical, you have to take the work. action so, too. So, so yes. getting let's just keep the same example of getting to a seven-minute pace. Yeah. So maybe this year you run ten-minute miles. Maybe next year it goes down to nine thirty, nine, you know, nine fifteen. Maybe two years from then you break it down to like eight-minute miles. Like this whole process takes time, and putting a timeline on it is something I can speak to. It's it's creating suffering. You're only going to create suffering. I need to hit seven-minute miles by this time. And if I don't reach that, then I'm a failure. And so you put all this pressure on yourself. You try to get to these expectations. In Jess's example, if she were to say, well, now I've run 60 miles. I'm going to run 60 miles every week until the race. Well, that's great. That's a great goal to have. And she's proven that she's, she's gotten 60 miles for one week. But the potential of getting injured and not capable of, of being out on the trails consistently is only going to move her away from her goal. So if you get caught up in that stuff, it's just stuff. Jess is in it for the long haul. And I'll use you as an example. Like you're continually from 14 miles was your longest run. Last year, I think you did a few 50. I Yeah, miles. but only like one... I only did like one over 50 mile training week leading up to the three race. I've never done multiple over 50 miles. And I did, you know, three, four, five of them leading up right. to this, it, which is awesome and unexpected and fabulous. But you're, in, but it's the process. It's this whole process of you're in it for the long and haul. And I'm okay where I am too. And so that's really like, that's self-love that has you know, years and years and years in the making from somebody that used to hate themselves to just like the self-love of, you know, I wake up every day and I'm just so grateful. Thank you so much for allowing me to wake up. Thank you, legs. Thank you so much. And actually, I started this in Boulder when I was changing my perspective on running. And in the last mile of every training run, I would take that last mile, which is a long time, and I would go through my whole body and I would be like, thank you toes, thank you ankles, thank you calves, thank you knees, thank you femur, thank you ulna, thank you pinkies, thank you fingernails, thank you eyelashes, thank you heart, thank you liver, thank you intestines, thank you kidney, thank you ribs, thank you spine. I would think everything that I could think of in my body, it would be really organic. And I just started to create gratitude and love for my body. And so, and also, you know, having been doing this for so long, you know, 14 years now, uh, experience is everything. Experience is, is wisdom. And I'm okay where I am. I don't really fight against where I am. And I know because I keep progressing. And I have this evidence now that, um, you know, when I rest, you know, the little niggles in my body will be, you know, absorbed. I do the mental work. I notice how I'm feeling. I allow that stuff to release. And, you know, this is going back to when I thought I was a terrible runner many, many years ago and I always got injured. And I thought, well, what if I stopped telling myself that story and I bought a shirt that said, I love running and I wore it for every run. And, 
um, anytime I would feel negative on the run, I would look down at the shirt and I would be like, yeah, that's right. I love running. Like I love running. And so I shifted this mindset and then I moved into gratitude and I started to love my body more. And so I started to assume the identity of somebody who didn't get injured and was able to log big miles. And now I can log big miles for me. It's relative to me. So stress, talking physiologically, stress creates an immune response in the body. So if we're, you know, you said that, you know, sometimes you let the stress seep in. Well, the stress is going to be there. It's just, are you, is it in the vault or are you recognizing it? You know, and when you're recognizing it and you're feeling it, that's why I think when you're saying that you're allowing it to seep in, but it's there, right? It's there. So... Stress is wreaking, wreaks havoc on your body. And so if you are carrying stress, you know, those heightened levels of cortisol, um, stimulus, uh, stimulus in the fight or flight system of the nervous system, you're, you're not going to be your best. You're just not going to physiologically be your best. So, but remember that when the stress shows up, that that is the only time that we can let it go and release it. Uh, let's see. I think that's patience. Yeah, but but yeah. So patience, but also detaching again from the outcome. So are you doing everything? You talk about your diet. Yeah. Are you doing everything? That's You're, the other thing. Are you all in? Are you all in? So are you foam rolling and 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 taking care of your body? And after resting these runs? really well. And what is this stress all about? Are you working on relieving the stress? Um, yeah, what are the, I mean, that's what are the foods really that go in your point. body in the morning? How much yeah, are you this, hydrating? What's the fairly clean about the fairly clean diet? <laughs> who are you, su- who are you surrounding yourself with? <laughs> mm. What, what is, um, what does the party scene look like in your life? Like all of the, and I'm not saying just Jody, like, what does this look like for those that truly want to want to get to that level? And when you, f- when you find out and you write down your list as just said, like, okay, well, I'm going to eat this and I'm. I'm going to do more yoga and I'm going to, and I'm going to foam roll and I'm going to surround myself. So once you have all that stuff, can you detach from it saying, I'm just going to do this stuff because it's going to move me forward. I have a feeling this is going to move me forward and I'm not putting a limiter on it so that I say, if I do these things, then I will achieve my best self. What you can say is, I'm going to begin to do all these things, be in the feeling of what this person is and what they look like, and it's going to move me forward no matter what. I'm not attached to some finite end result. I'm just going to keep doing these things. And you might ask, well, how? Or might say, like, how am I supposed to do that? Like, I need to know that if I do foam rolling that I won't get injured. You won't. No, you won't know. There's no knowing. That's the, so it's, it's great. So she's motivated. She wants more and it's how the mind works, right? Like the mind sees where it wants to go and then it wants to be there. But the thing is between where you are now and where you want to be, that's the work. And that's what so few people are willing to do. So that's the work is in that space is the work. And present moment awareness is where you're really going to be able to, you know, lift the veil and really see like, gosh, am I all in? Or is it just easier to kind of 
stay in envy of these other runners because to be all in is like that's hardcore right it's like acting like it's everything we just talked about like mary's question like it's acting on those hit on those hits and even when it's scary and not indulging fear and stress and negativity and and uh so yes it's mental training and it's physical training it's all of those things and you know remember you guys like the the biggest the biggest thing that's going to be like such an ally for you, not only in your, in your sport, but in your life is just doing the work for the sake of the work. And when we do that, when we just pay attention to what we're doing while we're doing it, and we're fully focused on the task, on the run, and within that run, the, the foot strike and the breath, we start to open up to this expansive experience that is the present moment and the work itself becomes the reward you need nothing else in that moment because you are so content and fulfilled that you are not living in the lack of anything 